Fired Up show starts right now. And welcome, everybody. Welcome back to the Fired Up podcast right here on WJMS Media. This is Steve. I host the show each week. And as always, we're going to bring you what's going on in the world of politics here in the United States. So let's start it off, as we always do, with a review of where we stand with regard to the COVID breakout here in the United States. We're currently sitting at 102.62 million cases uh, of the uh, disease having been reported. Uh, We've had 1.12 million people uh, die from the disease, and we're up to 670.3 million people who have received vaccinations against the disease. And as always, with the new variants out, we want to make sure that we are taking care of ourselves and that we're doing everything we can to keep ourselves, our families, our communities, and our country safe. So let's make sure we continue to do what we've been advised to do, wear the masks when it's uh, necessary, uh, practice social distancing when it's appropriate, and generally just keep yourself uh, safe from the illness. And kicking off what turned out to be a very busy political week this uh, week in the United States. Uh, We had the situation of a high-altitude balloon uh, that was observed flying across the country. Uh, It turns out that this balloon was a uh, listening balloon. It was gathering signals intelligence, and uh, it was uh, flying across our country and creating some concerns and it eventually it was shot down by the u.s air force over after it had traversed uh the continental united states and was shot down uh, off the coast of the carolinas uh, it has been determined or is being determined that this balloon was of chinese origin And right now, the uh, FBI and military entities are evaluating exactly what uh, the purpose of this balloon uh, was. Uh, It turns out that later in the week, uh, we had two more that were uh, shot down on over the western portion of the country, uh, one in the ocean off the coast of Alaska in the vicinity of the Aleutian Islands, and a second one that was shot down uh, in uh, the, the Canadian airspace, uh, somewhere near the border of Canada and the U.S. Uh, all in all, these three objects have raised uh, serious concerns about what it is exactly that uh, whoever is putting these balloons up, and it's suspected that it is the Chinese, but whatever they're doing, Uh, It has raised concern levels uh, throughout the United States uh, military and administration. So we'll keep you posted as developments arise in what those balloons are, where they came from, and what was their purpose as a result of the analysis uh, continue. Uh, It was also this week that we had the president give the State of the Union address Uh, President Biden addressed a joint session of Congress and the nation uh, on Tuesday and laid out uh, his vision and agenda for where he's looking to have the country go. Uh, Notably, he uh, was uh, very, very 
engaged with moving the country forward in terms of its economic growth. Obviously, he was claiming, you know, some some successes uh, that he has seen with job creation and, you know, employment rate and and so forth. Uh, we had a record job creation month of more than 517 million uh, new jobs uh, created here in the U.S., uh, which was a record and surpassed what the projections called for by nearly a factor of three. So that was a great report uh, coming out from Washington. Uh, the president's address uh, overall received uh, very good marks. Uh, it was energetic. It was uh, focused, uh, but it was also punctuated by several uh, cases of outbursts from the Republican side of the aisle, uh, particularly when uh, Biden uh, outlined things that the Republicans uh, are being blamed or or have been laid at the feet of the Republican Party. Uh, the president was heckled and interrupted numerous times with uh, jeers and shouts. Uh, several members could be heard in the chamber uh, calling uh, President Biden a liar, uh, saying that it was his fault for uh, things that the Democratic Party was not to blame for. Uh, typically, you know, it, it was, you know, quite the spectacle, um, you know, notably, uh, representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, uh, seemed to be the rabble rouser cheerleader, uh, leading the, the cat calls of, of you lie and liar and it's your fault and so forth. Um, it, it really was, um, disappointing to see, uh, to say the least, uh, and of course, since the cameras are focused on the dais where the president is speaking, you could clearly see the look on um, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy's face as he shook his head from side to side and, and rolled his eyes and on occasion quietly made the, the sound of shh as if to quiet uh, his, his caucus in the House. Um, much like any of you that are parents out there, you know, when your kid is uh, out with a, with a group of kids and, and is being the ringleader uh, of, you know, all of the rabble going on and you kind of wonder, you know, how did I get here? How can I herd these cats better, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but clearly, you know, the, the Republican side was uh, in, a, in a sense of denial. Or, or was expressing, you know, uh, their disagreement with the Democratic side of uh, things when clearly there were things that, you know, it was in their camp. They were uh, the cause or they were the, the agents driving uh, these problems. So, you know, status quo for what we can expect uh, from particularly the House of Representatives this year as the Republicans are uh, in charge and are playing, you know, the denial game. But overall, Biden received uh, high marks for his speech. Uh, he has uh, received a lot of praise for the, the clarity and the energy uh, with which he delivered it. 
contrast that to the uh, Republican response to the State of the Union, which is traditionally uh, given by a member of the Republican Party immediately after the conclusion of the president's uh, State of the Union speech. And uh, this year it was delivered by Arkansas Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Uh, and it was, um, to, say, to say the least, it was lackluster. Uh, the, the typical response speech uh, focuses on drawing distinctions between uh, the you know, current president and the, the minority party in terms of the policy ideas and uh, things that are brought forth in the State of the Union. Uh, in, in this uh, version of it, uh, Governor Sanders uh, sought to draw distinctions, and you know there was an interesting article on it uh, from CBS News, um, and you know she sought to to draw distinctions between the Republicans and President Biden. Uh, however, uh, she really just kind of went off on a Republican talking points that we have heard. Uh, time and time again over the last two years, um, she focused her response on, you know, the the culture war issues that have uh, motivated conservatives and the ultra conservative base. Um, largely uh, rejected the message of unity and bipartisanship that wound through uh, President Biden's address. Instead. Uh, she attacked the president as the, quote, first man to surrender his presidency to a woke mob that can't even tell you what a woman is, you know. And, you know, as as this uh, article uh, goes on, uh, she's quoted as saying in the radical left's America, Washington taxes you uh, and lights your hard earned money on fire. But you get crushed with high gas prices, empty grocery sell shelves, and our children are taught to hate one another on account of their race, but not to love one another uh, or our great country. Um, you know, the criticisms that we have heard time and time again uh, from the Republican Party, as I said, over the last uh, several years. Um, one of the things that I noted and really kind of uh, got to me was uh, where she said, uh, "Every day we are told we must partake. You know, we must partake in their rit rituals. Excuse me, salute their flags and worship their false idols, all while big government colludes with big tech to strip away the most American thing there is: your freedom of speech. That's not normal. It's crazy and it's wrong." And, you know, it, it seems to me, you know, in, it, particularly in that statement, which is why it kind of stood out to me, um, that for, you know, the, the four years uh, of the Trump presidency and the two years since, uh, she seems to have forgotten, uh, number one, that as the uh, White House spokesperson for the first two years of the Trump presidency, uh, it was her job, and and what she performed was actually the the description and the recitation of these things. 
we were fed a, a, a near daily uh, message of you know following the the MAGA train of thought, um, and you know when she mentions worshiping false idols, uh, the the ultra conservative wing uh, held up you know President Trump as everything from uh, the greatest president ever to you know the the I dare say the son of God. Um, and, you know, while they, she talked about how government was colluding with big tech, what we've seen in the news coming out is the collusions between uh, government in the Trump administration uh, and, you know, from the Republican Party since of this effort to collude and to, to support uh, many of the uh, authoritarian leaders in the world um, you know Donald Trump famously expressed uh, his approval and admiration for Vladimir Putin uh, he you know talked about his quote love affair close quote with North Korean strongman Kim Jong-un you know and and all of these things that were clearly uh, Republican supported, uh, elements and constructs, uh, she is in her speech, uh, was trying to pin onto the Democratic Party. Um, so, you know, she continued in her speech. She called President Biden unfit to serve. Uh, she sought to contrast the Republican agenda with that of Democrats, which is interesting because for the most part, we have not heard a cohesive Republican agenda. What we have gotten in the, uh, the four years of the Trump presidency and the two years uh, that have passed since is a continual litany of uh, accusations of, you know, Democrats and liberals' uh, obsession with uh, critical race theory and, you know, their, uh, the Republican uh, strategy of continuing to uh, take away uh, rights and uh, freedoms that we have. Uh, they were, you know, in power uh, and, and led the charge to overturn Roe v. Wade. Uh, we have seen uh, an increased effort from, you know, Republican governors to, to strip back uh, rights of the individuals. They have had a continual attack on the voting process. You know, all of the things, and we've talked about them here on this show, uh, all of these things uh, were sprinkled throughout her speech. What was lacking was, as has been the case with many prior uh, response to the State of the Union, is an outline of what the opposition party's agenda is uh, presented as an alternative to the American people, uh, rather than as a than than just being a cheerleader led uh, litany of uh, things that they want to do that aren't really any type of political strategy. So you know the the address was um, given and received uh, lukewarm at best uh, reviews. Uh, many found it to be um, lackluster and, as I said, devoid of any clear uh, political 
agenda items that they want to pursue. So she she finished up her speech uh, by claiming that, quote, America's freedom is under attack and again declaring that it is time for a change in the nation's leadership. Uh, As she said, and I quote, a new generation of Republican leaders is stepping up not to be caretakers of the status quo, but to be change makers for the American people, close quote. She said, we know not what the future holds, but we know who holds the future in his hands. And with God as our witness, we will show the world that America is still the place where freedom reigns and liberty will never die. And again, the uh, sort of disingenuous undertone of that is uh, the Republican Party has been kind of the the uh, leader of the pack in rolling back many of the freedoms that we enjoy, and I've mentioned a few, uh, but also in setting just an overall uh, negative tone for dealing with uh, the people that they so frequently uh, call out that they are there to serve. Uh, clearly, you know, there, there is a, a portion of hypocrisy that comes out of the Republican Party that we need to address. So that was, you know, the the State of the Union and the response. A couple of other quick observations uh, about the State of the Union address. Uh, one thing, if you did uh, watch the address, you would notice that um, there were uh, many uh, on the Democrat side of the aisle, particularly the Congressional Black Caucus and, and other Democrats, were wearing buttons with uh, 1870 on them uh, during the address. Uh, and it, it was worn as a stand against police brutality and a call for meaningful reform. Uh, many people wondered what the 1870 stood for. And what it is, it's the number that refers to the first known instance of police killing a free unarmed black person in the United States when a Philadelphia officer chased and shot Henry Truman on March 31, 1870. Um, The officer who killed Truman chased him into an alley uh, when, you know, Truman asked what he had done wrong. The officer shot him. So the... The pins were designed and distributed by Representative Bonnie Watson Coleman and were intended to demonstrate how 153 years later, nothing has changed. Um, you know, contrast that with you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene sitting, uh, standing out in uh, the, the crowd of somber attire wearing a white coat with a white fur collar uh, so that she was easy to spot in the crowd, uh, cheerleading the uh, heckling that was going on against uh, President Biden while he was delivering his speech. So, you know, kind of a show and not to, you know, be uh, unusual or unexpected from a Republican Party that, you know, in my opinion, seems to consist largely of a bunch of unruly children. So another news coming out of the uh, U.S. House of Representatives, uh, and this comes from a story in CNN, um, that the Republicans held a hearing to prove Twitter's bias against them. It backfired in a spectacular fashion, according to the story. 
Um, and this was uh, from Oliver Darcy, and it opens with uh, the statement, this is the only conclusion that can be drawn from Wednesday's hearing on Capitol Hill, where GOP lawmakers continue to push a factually unsupported narrative about the federal government secretly colluding with Twitter to censor the New York Post's Hunter Biden laptop story in 2020. We just can't get away from that that little laptop. Uh, Despite no real evidence to support this uh, claim, Republicans were unrelenting in peddling uh, peddling it to the American public. On Wednesday's hearing, they showed no regard for misinforming those who turn to them for accurate information or the fact that they are smearing a private business and its former executives in the process. Uh, the committee's chairman, James Comer, uh, who you know apparently uh, wants to be taken seriously but continues to feed out this uh, ridiculous red meat to the Republican base, uh, claimed Twitter happily followed supposed FBI instructions to censor the Hunter Biden story because they were terrified of Joe Biden not winning the election. So, you know, the the story around Hunter Biden's laptop uh, is is one that we just can't seem to escape um, and just keeps resurfacing. Um, this was just the latest um, that that uh, is being reported. Um, Comer has long pushed the notion that uh, Elon Musk released uh, his so-called Twitter files showing evidence that the Biden campaign colluded with big tech to suppress a story we know is 100% true. That, of course, is not what the selectively released documents show from Twitter. But, you know, Comer's statements um, get to the heart of the matter by pushing the narrative that there was collusion between big tech and the FBI to censor the post-Hunter Biden story. Uh, Republicans are not so subtly feeding their election-denying base reason to believe the 2020 election was effectively rigged against Donald Trump. So, you know, again, these are, have been the main, uh, sort of the main talking points and the main themes uh, of the Republican Party uh, throughout the Biden administration that, you know, the there was a secret and or sometimes not so secret uh, campaign to rig the election, to steal uh, the election from Donald Trump, even though there have been no substantial, significant, substantiated evidence produced to support the claim of a, a fraudulent election. Now, you know, we, we've talked about this on this show, um, the the Trump team has uh, put up more than 60 court cases, uh, all of which were thrown out of court uh, for lack of evidence uh, or, or any uh, reasonable criteria for credibility, and yet it still continues. And all of this is you know, being fed wholesale by right-wing media uh, and, and personalities uh, who are happy to amplify uh, these claims and spread them to millions of viewer, viewers who turn to them 
for the news. Uh, the article cites Fox News hype GOP claims from the hearing on Wednesday, portraying the nonsense coming out of the hearing as if it were a serious affair uncovering considerable wrongdoing. The facts uh, and the reality simply do not matter. Uh, it didn't move one Republican when the Twitter executives said that they had subpoenaed before the committee refuted their claims, and it didn't matter much to the right-wing media apparatus that blindly repeated them to their audience. Uh, you know, and, and one quote, I am aware of no unlawful collusion with or direction from any government agency or political campaign on how Twitter should have handled the Hunter Biden laptop situation. And that came from James Baker, Twitter's former deputy counsel, uh, who told the committee, made that statement under oath. Um, Matt Taibbi, one of the journalists Musk handpicked last year to comb through twi Twitter's internal messages for evidence of free speech violations, said himself, quote, there is no evidence that I've seen of any government involvement in the laptop story. So, you know, it, it just goes on uh, that the Republicans uh, are performing what they frequently complained uh, when they were the minority party and sung to the high heavens about, you know, the, the witch hunts and, you know, the, the uh, false narratives that were being portrayed. Uh, it seems that they are uh, practicing now what they preached for so many years. So, you know, we've, we've now got... Um, a new uh, set of feed for the uh, the ultra right wing of the party in this con this conspiracy without any evidence of a conspiracy uh, between the uh, administration and Twitter to censor uh, the stories in involving the Hunter Biden laptop, which in and of itself. Uh, looks like uh, it is going to be a, a big platter of nothing burgers uh, once the full truth comes out. So we'll, we'll keep posted on that um, and let you know if anything comes of the Hunter Biden laptop situation. Uh, and as if, you know, irony was in full effect last week, and speaking of laptops, uh, a laptop that was uh, in, in belonging to um, Donald Trump uh, was recovered from a Trump aide uh, by the Department of Justice. And this laptop contained classified electronic documents. And this comes out of uh, MSNBC um, and uh, MSNBC legal and analysts predicted it will be added to the long list of charges that the former president uh, has not been forthcoming about his growing stolen document scandal. Um, what happened here is that there was a laptop that was belong that belonged to a, um, a senior level aide to the former president uh, while he was in the White House that apparently has uh, classified documents that have been copied onto it. Uh, 
And, you know, so it, it, this is, in, in case you don't know, the uh, Classified Document Act and the rules that govern the handling of classified documents absolutely prohibits copying sensitive or classified documents onto any uh, unsecured and uncontrolled uh, electronic devices. That, that can be a laptop, can be cell phone, tablet, computer, anything. Um, you know, and, and the interesting thing is uh, while you know, this, this wasn't a lawyer, this was a Trump aide and one that was working for the Save America PAC, which is Trump's uh, favorite PAC. Um, and she, you know, the, the person speaking, it said, so the fact that it is not someone, uh, it, it's someone who's not a lawyer, uh, was asked if that changes the analysis. And according to uh, this, the source, uh, of course it does. And this comes from Danny Cervalos, uh, who was uh, an attorney uh, in the, the Trump administration. Uh, and he said, of course it does. If you give it to your lawyer, that's one thing. It could still be problematic, but giving it to someone clearly outside the government, that's a huge problem because you've established one of the elements and not only one of the elements of a criminal statute. But one of the reasons this is a problem in the first place is we don't want classified documents uh, getting into the hands of regular people. That's why they're classified. They're classified because they could pose a threat to national security. So, you know, here we go with a laptop uh, in the inner circle of the Trump administration given to a senior aide with uh, classified documents on it uh, who is, you know, not under the control of the, the government um, uh, people responsible for tracking and, you know, keeping classified documents under wraps. So, you know, we, we've got, you know, an interesting situation that is developing around this laptop. Uh, we will keep you posted. And, you know, essentially now we've got a, a dueling laptop scenario playing. So we'll, we'll keep up with it and we'll bring the information we find out to you right here on Fired Up. So let's, uh, let's take our break here. Let's ponder what we've, we've talked about. Uh, when we come back after the break, uh, I've got some more uh, stories to cover and look to get uh, to reach out and request of you your thoughts on what we talked about. You're listening to the Fired Up Podcast. This is Steve. We'll be right back. My name is Jamie Bowles, and I was diagnosed with non-small cell lung cancer in December of 2018. Nobody would even know looking at me that I have stage four lung cancer. And I'm grateful for biomarker testing for that. When I was sitting down with my oncologist, there was already state-of-the-art medication available that I was going to be put on right then and there. Ask your doctor how comprehensive biomarker testing before treatment may help you decide on the best treatment. Visit noonemissed.org to learn more. A public service message from Longevity Foundation. And we're back. Welcome back to Fired Up right here on WJMS Media. This is Steve. I'm your host. Let's get back into our discussion on uh, 
the politics situation here in America. One of the things you might have heard uh, mentioned, uh, was mentioned during the State of the Union, it's been mentioned numerous times uh, in the mainstream media, is the Republican plan to, uh, to cut or eliminate or otherwise curtail Social Security and Medicare. Now, currently, Republicans are saying, no, no, we didn't. We don't want to do that. We're not going to do that. And even uh, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy is on the record as saying, you know, Social Security and Medicare are off the table. Uh, but there is still lingering talk about what can be done or what would be done uh, with a Republican plan uh, to reduce spending in this country. And Florida Senator Rick Scott uh, put out a plan in February of last year that included uh, his takes on what should occur with Social Security and Medicare, as well as all other government programs. So let's go through uh, what Scott's plan is, or at least a piece of it, because it, it's a, a rather lengthy document. But there is a pamphlet out. Uh, you can search for uh, Rick Scott's Social Security plan on your search engine of choice, and you will find the plan there. Uh, it gives 11 points that he has discussed, but there's actually 26 points in the, uh, in the written plan itself. So let's run through them and kind of take a look at what his thought process is as kind of a way to get a sense of what the Republican Party's uh, plan consists of. So, you know, according to a CNN article where they listed out uh, these 26 uh, plan steps, uh, the first one is kids in public schools would say the Pledge of Allegiance and be required to stand for the national anthem. They would also have to, quote, honor, close quote, the American flag. Number two, the Department of Education would close. Uh, education is a state function. That's quoted uh, by Rick Scott. Uh, number three, the government would never be able to ask you to disclose your race, ethnicity, or skin color on any government form. Now, realize that, you know, that's contained in a lot of the documents that we fill out, not the least of which is the census report. So, you know, there's, there's that to consider. Uh, number four, the U.S. military would engage in zero diversity training or, quote, any woke ideological indoctrination that divides our troops. Uh, number five, if a college or university uses affirmative action in admissions, it would be ineligible for federal funding and will lose their tax-exempt status. Now, let's, let's stop here because I want to talk about these last two. So the, the clear indication here is that there is a consideration to take uh, race or you know, other ethnic descriptors out of government functions. Um, you know, as I said, the college or university that uses affirmative action would lose its federal funding. The military would engage in zero diversity training or any woke ideological indoctrination. So, you know, this 
when you, when you look at the bigger picture, uh, it seems that the Republican Party, or at least Rick Scott's version of the Republican Party, is going to take away considerations uh, or any, uh, how do I want to say, or any uh, preconceptions uh, or, or considerations uh, for race in its activities. Now, if that's as far as it goes, okay, that may not be a totally bad thing. But if that leads to a uh, reduction in the participation of minorities, people of color, uh, or other uh, groups, you know, in the, the government, that's problematic. So, um, all right, number six, strict mandatory minimum sentences would be required in every case in which a police officer is seriously injured. Now, Note that, and as we go down, you'll see that there's no equivalent requirement in the, the situation where a civilian is seriously injured. Uh, number seven, any attempt to deny our Second Amendment freedoms would be strongly opposed. Um, number eight, the wall along the U.S. southern border would be completed and named after former President Donald Trump. Um, yeah, leave, just leave that one sitting there. Immigra immigrants to the United States would not be able to collect unemployment benefits or welfare until they have lived in the country for seven years. Number 10, so-called sanctuary cities would be stripped of all federal funding. All right, so those two uh, impacting immigrants in this country where they would not be able to collect unemployment benefits or welfare until they've lived in the country for seven years. Now, on the other side of that, and what's, what's not discussed, is the fact that um, they've lived in this country for seven years. Uh, they've you know, ostensibly been working in this country for seven years. Uh, if they get unemployed, they are ineligible for the same treatment as a resident uh, of this country is. I don't really think that's totally fair. Um, and uh, da, 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 federal, but no, so-called sanctuary cities would be stripped of all federal funding. Again, that would serve to discourage uh, the acceptance of immigrants into this country and, uh, you know, create a, a hardship situation for those that, that do come here. So something to think about on that side. Uh, number 11, the federal budget would be balanced and if not, members of Congress would not be paid. Okay, I'm going on the record, I agree with that one. Uh, Congress needs to have skin in the game. Now, you know, if, if they can't figure out the math to balance the federal budget, then yeah, they don't deserve their salary, in my opinion. Okay, just putting that out there. Number 12, all Americans would pay some income tax, quote, to have skin in the game. And according to um, information, roughly half of Americans do not pay taxes because their taxable income doesn't meet a minimum threshold. So, you know, how that's going to be impacted and what changes, if any, are going to be to the thresholds and so forth uh, remains to be seen but it wasn't documented in this summary that I'm working with here. 
Federal debt ceiling increases would be prohibited unless accompanied by a declaration of war. Now, I don't understand, you know, what the connection between the two is. Although, granted, I understand that, you know, going to war is extremely expensive and probably, you know, could result in some borrowing of money. But what about other situations? What about, you know, large natural disasters or things like that that requires, you know, expenditures of funds that might mean uh, taking on more debt? So, you know, again, the devil's in the details on that one. So number 14, all federally elected officials, as well as all federal workers, would be subject to a 12-year term limit. Uh, okay, uh, especially members of Congress, I could, I could live with that. Um, all, number 15, all federal legislation would have a sunset provision five years after it passes. Now, this is the one that has gotten the most attention because uh, you count in the fact that Social Security, uh, Medicare, uh, and uh, Medicaid are all federally, uh, federal legislation uh, that is, is there by law. So that would mean that every five years, Social Security and Medicare would have to be voted up or down in order to continue. Now, you know, Full disclosure, you know, I have a one a parent. My father is currently on you know Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid, and the thought that he is you know hanging on or, or standing on that five year cliff uh, really doesn't sit well with me. I think um, that is a bridge too far. Uh, funding for the IRS as well as its workforce would be cut by fifty percent. Now, the uh, Biden administration passed uh, last year uh, in the um, infrastructure plan that he filed a increase in funding to the IRS for 87,000 uh, additional employees to make up for, you know, retirements and so forth. Um, how that would play into a workforce cut of 50 percent you know is something that would need to be discussed uh number 17 politicians would be banned from becoming lobbyists when they leave office okay i can buy onto that one as well i think one of the biggest problems we have you know in our our legislative process is the outsized influence of lobbyists uh that you know not only our, you know, corporate, but also our former uh, senators and congresspeople coming back and lobbying their former colleagues. So, um, number 18, voter ID would become law of the land. Uh, all I, and to quote, all arguments against voter ID are in favor of fraud, according to Rick Scott. Uh, I don't disagree with that one either. I think, you know, a a national voter ID uh, is something that we we definitely need. You know, it it would work to eliminate these arguments of voter fraud um, that we see. And I think the only caveat I would say is that those IDs should be provided to whoever requests one and can prove their their identification 
free of charge. Number 19, same-day voter registration would be banned. Uh, this is you know, an extension of the activities that have been ongoing and that we've talked about for the last couple of years uh, in Florida and in Texas and in other states where restrictions on uh, voter registration have been going forward. Number 20, no federal program or tax laws will reward people for being unmarried or discriminate against marriage. Well, I guess that is eliminating the so-called marriage penalty. Uh, okay, maybe. Number 21, no government form would offer options related to gender identity or sexual preference. Well, this goes back up to the earlier one about asking about race. Um, you know, it, I don't really understand, you know, who this hurts, why this is a problem. Uh, number 22, Biological males would be banned from competing in women's sports. So that just continues, you know, a theme that's been going on in, in the, the last, you know, five, six years, whatever. Uh, 23, all social media platforms that censor speech and cancel people will be treated like publishers and subject to legal action. Now, I, I need more context in that. But I think, you know, there, there is room for, for me to agree with that, uh, particularly uh, when it is, is, you know, sort of cavalierly done. And I think that social media platforms should be treated like publishers and should have uh, the penalties uh, leveled against them that, you know, the print media and the broadcast media uh, has to deal with. Number 24, no tax dollars would be used for diversity training or other woke indoctrination that is hostile to faith. So, you know, what what they're going for there is, you know, pushing to you know, move faith to the forefront in this country. And, you know, that is, you know, anathema to what the founders laid down when they wrote the Constitution. Uh, saying that the United States would be a secular nation. Number 25, no dues would be paid to the United Nations or any international organization that undermines the national interests of the USA. That could be conflict uh, if there is a country that is you know, doing something that has a potentially good purpose, but it is not something that we agree with. So that one uh, might come into play. And the last one, the weather is always changing. We take climate change seriously, but not hysterically. We will not adopt nutty policies that harm our economy or our jobs. Now, <laughs> if climate change is creating situations that are impacting um, our, our planet, uh, we've got to respond to them. And I, I think this is, you know, somewhat akin to sticking our head in the sand saying we don't see it la 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 we don't see it so i mean there's there's room for for a, a lot of disagreement there so those are the 26 points um uh out of the document that rick scott produced uh as i said the mainstream Re republican party is trying to distance themselves from this but I think this is going to be a subject that we will hear a lot more discussion about 
uh, in the coming weeks and months, and particularly as we wind our way up to the 2024 elections. I think we will see these points again. We will see much more discussion on them. And, you know, it, it is going to be something that uh, our political process and our campaign processes are going to engage with. Keep keep it locked. Keep keep your eye on it. And we will probably revisit this again. So, all right. So let's turn the page away from the national and uh, look at the state's. Uh, it's usually at this point in time that I would be talking about Florida or Texas or Arizona or somewhere like that. Um, and I was going to uh, look into Florida when this story popped up out of Mississippi. And um, this is an interesting uh, but troubling uh, story that's coming out of uh, the South. And the headline reads, Mississippi Republicans pass bill to create separate, unelected court in majority black city. And this is from Wednesday. Uh, Republican-dominated Mississippi House of Representatives has passed a bill to create a separate, unelected court system in the city of Jackson that would fall outside the purview of the city's voters, the majority of whom are black. The bill, with local leaders, have likened to apartheid-era laws and described as unconstitutional, would also expand a separate capital police force overseen by state authorities. The force would expand into all of the city's white major majority neighborhoods, according to Mississippi Today. Uh, Jackson's population is 80% black. Speaking after House Bill 1020 passed on Tuesday evening, Jackson's mayor, Chokwe Lumumba, branded the proposed law some of the most oppressive legislation in our city's history. It's oppressive because it strips the right of black folks to vote. It's oppressive because it, put, it puts a military force over people that has no accountability to them. It's oppressive because there will be judges who will determine sentences over people's lives. It's oppressive because it redirects their tax dollars to something they don't endorse nor believe in, Lumumba said. The bill passed along party lines, 76-38 uh, vote, and will now travel to the state Senate, where Republicans also hold a significant majority. The passage was preceded by an intense four-hour floor debate in which members of the state's Black Caucus made impassioned pleas to reject the legislation and compared the bill to the state's Jim Crow-era Constitution of 1890. The legislation was proposed by House Republican Trey Lamar, who is white and represents a district in the state's Northwest, which is majority white. Lamar, who does not live in Jackson, has cited uh, county court backlogs and crime rates in the city as his motivation for the proposed law. During floor debate, Lamar was asked uh, if any of his constituents had asked for the bill. He replied, I don't live in Jackson, but you know what I like to do? I like to come to Jackson because it's my capital city. The bill, which is over a thousand pages long, would expand Jackson's existing Capitol Complex Improvement District, which is patrolled by the state's Capitol Police and currently covers parts of the city's downtown 
that house state government buildings. The district's expansion would cover areas in the city's north, which, according to local press, include entertainment and shopping neighborhoods. The new court district would uh, feature two judges directly appointed by Mississippi Supreme Court Chief Justice Michael K. Randolph, who is white. There would be two prosecutors, prosecutors, excuse me, appointed by the state attorney general, Lynn Fitch, a white Republican, and two public defenders appointed by the state defender's office. Proposed amendments offered on Tuesday included calls to make the judges resident of the Jackson area and to compel elections for the position. Both amendments failed. The proposed bill is the latest in a line of extreme legislation in the state, which last year introduced a sweeping anti-critical race theory law, which met vocal opposition from the state's black caucus. Uh, Jackson has also suffered from a series of water outages due to ailing infrastructure, which has been chronically underfunded by the state for years. Black residents in the poorest parts of the city have been disproportionately affected. In November last year, the city's water system was taken under federal government oversight after the Environmental Protection Agency found the city in violation of the Safe Drinking Water Act. So, you know, much like, you know, we've talked about out of Florida, out of Texas, and, and other states, Mississippi is uh, moving in ways to restrict uh, voting and representation among its communities of color to, uh, you know, expand the uh, influence and control of uh, the white population of Mississippi over a portion of the state that is majority black, thus eliminating uh, sort of self-control uh, that would be exercised by the members of the community. And, you know, just it, it moves in what I think is a wrong direction in terms of how we need to to uh, approach things in this country, particularly if you connect this story with the earlier story I talked about with, uh, you know, the the points being made uh, of, of, you know, working to improve conditions for all people in you know the state that was put forward in Sarah Huckabee Sanders response to the state of the union so you know not for nothing but it appears that you know the republicans are trying to talk out of both sides of their face at the same time at the national level they're trying to preach a message of unity and togetherness and at the state the state level, excuse me, they are taking measures to uh, restrict and divide uh, communities up based on race. So it's, you know, it's clear that there is work to be done, that there is, you know, education and communication needed for our elected officials. And most importantly, there needs to be, as we always call for on this program, there needs to be a significant increase in the amount of com uh, accountability that we demand of our elected officials. Uh, we, we the people, must be in communication with 
all of our elected officials from the local level all the way up to the federal level and make sure that they are doing what it is that we want. Uh, you know, it is fairly obvious to me that a, a city that is 80% black is highly unlikely to vote against its own best interest and uh, create an, an, a majority white uh, arm of the government that is not answerable to them in the local community. So something to keep an eye on. We will be watching this. We will bring you updates. Uh, but as always, make sure you're talking with your elected officials uh, to be sure that they are working for you and not against you. Uh, we're going to tie it up right there. Thank you all for listening. As always, I do appreciate it. Everybody, please stay safe. Be aware of the uh COVID variant out there moving around through the country and make sure you take steps to protect yourself. This is Steve. You've been listening to the Fired Up podcast right here on WJMS Media. It's been my pleasure to bring this to you. Thank you for listening and I will speak to you all again in seven days.